0: Hey, folks, and welcome to Growth Triggers. This is a new segment we're piloting on Deconstructor, a fun podcast focusing on all matters growth. Now, Growth Triggers has two hosts Eric Suford, founder of Mobile Dev Memo and Heracles Media. Eric is a man who served as head of growth at several top gaming companies and by far the most knowledgeable person to talk about growth that I know of. And your second host is myself, Mishka Katkov. Founder of Deconstructor of Fun and Savage Game Studios. My background is on the product management and studio leadership side of games. Now, why our background is somewhat relevant is because in this segment, we'll tackle the topics from both marketing and product perspective. So as we're developing this segment, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover and what we can do to improve. I hope you enjoy the show and I hope we're able to earn all five stars. Before we start, As always, big thanks to our sponsors.
1: We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're we're completely integrated with the platform, of course, the mediation products, all ad ad
2: products, and the company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us, takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands, having a kind of an all-in-one platform.
0: You just heard Andrew Stone, He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use IronSource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift with the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts. Marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppSlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppSlyer's latest product, the Incrementality Solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With With incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest you head out to appsliers.com. Because last episode was so good, we wanted to lower the bar a little bit, so we got Christian Calderon here, uh, CEO of Game Jam. Welcome.
1: Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, we got so much positive feedback, and Eric and I were talking about like we can't keep it up. Like we need to, we need to, you know, control the quality bar a little bit, normalize it. So, <laughs> Christian, really great to have you on.
1: Thank you, thank you. Glad to be
0: here. Glad to be here. <laughs> so let's let's talk about let's talk. A bunch of stuff has happened. I um, just got kicked in the teeth. There's an outage in that colony. Um, Christian, what's what's going on in the world of growth? Which is actually your growth. We give you a lot of shit, but do you you have so many so many installs for Game Jam games that it's embarrassing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, so it's it's been pretty uh, pretty interesting. So one thing we know, I got an email from Ad Colony saying that there was an incident on their platform uh, where there was a, a, they said, quote unquote, um, uh, approximately uh, there was revenue, uh, a revenue well, an influx, a drastic influx of revenue well outside of the norms, whatever that means, uh, due to an error that has been reverted. Uh, so I didn't really know what that meant. So anyways, we, we went back and digged in. And what we found was that there was just a huge latency problem. Just a big, in, uh, big influx in latency. And one of the issues is when you have a, a major problem with latency, uh, with, with bidding, it just destroys the entire waterfall. Um, so it was, it was just it was kind of a bummer because... Uh, and, and then obviously they, um, they said to, to correct the, the problem, uh, they gave us a figure. And they said that you know, to correct the, the amount of money that you know, we lost historically, that they would guarantee uh, to, to fill any requests that are uh, 95% uh, comparable to the requests that we had lost. Um, so they, they, had, they had agreed to, to fill uh, future revenue. Uh, because of of what happened with the, the latency issue in, in in the past, so it was kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. we ended up having to uh, you know, temporarily remove them, um, but it looks like they have the issue under control now. Yeah, that happened. And this I is think was a, I think it.
0: This is post Digital Turbine acquisition because they were acquired recently, right?
1: Yeah, this is post post acquisition and they were just parting, dude. They were just parting. It's it's okay. <laughs> a lot more customers. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, but I, I think you know, moving forward, uh, this kind of you know let us it, because of this, we responded and and building more tools around latency management. Um as more and more of these networks are coming into bidding, it's becoming I guess more and more important to to keep an eye on on latency because it, it it just affects everything in the waterfall. But yeah, that happened this week.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think one of the one of the funny things about like ad tech is that a lot of it is pretty commodity, but a lot of it is actually re- really complex, you know, technology infrastructure. And people um don't don't recognize that. And you know there's a lot of like moving parts and and latency is 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 the name of the game like you have to serve these impressions like the round trip of a bid request has to be you know milliseconds and that's actually not technologically trivial to do um and but but you know ad tech just gets shitted on like no one looks at it as like you know this this really interesting kind of um challenge to to solve from a technological perspective like you know, engineers don't want to go work on that. They want to work on like self-driving cars and stuff. And like, whenever you're spinning up, like in my, in, you know, in my experience, whenever you're trying to spin up like a team to do like ad tech stuff, that's actually like really complex, really challenging, really interesting. Should be um, involves, you know, like all the elements are there of like a sexy project. You've got like big data. You've got like you know real, you know, almost real time ish, um, you know, kind of uh, relays with the with the customer. Um, you know, you're touching the actual customer's device and everyone's like, nah, that's, ew, ad tech. Like, that's gross. It's, just, it's, just the, it's the oddest thing. And like, they'd rather go work on like, you know, some some like really trivial, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, model for like a, a starter pack or something. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff is just like, it's, it's, it's run like a nightly ETL or something. And like, it's not really that, uh, that sophisticated, but that's just, you know, seen as sexier than like working on like kind of deep ad tech. It's really funny how that how that how that how that works. I think it's just because it's ads.
0: Like like people have this negative, just negative approach towards ads. I think it's like same with financial technology. Like you know, fintech is kind of being hammered in the same way. It's not it's not it's not as noble of a pursuit as something else, and it's not as fun as games or entertainment. So I think that's when it comes from. But you're absolutely right. It's it's super complex.
2: But we should talk about, we haven't, we haven't talked about Digital Turbine ever, have we? No. What a, what is, what a story. What is digital, yeah, what's, that's, what is Digital Turbine? Because they're acquiring everybody. They're just on a, they're on a, yeah. they're on like a, a bender, like a, <laughs> a, a buying bender. It's, it's, that's a fascinating company. If you, I'm looking at their, um their financial profile right now, their stock price uh, one year ago today, almost a year ago today, March 30th, 2020 was $3.83. Their stock price today is $82.27. What? So, uh, yeah, I mean, so they're more than 20x uh, the stock price in a year. Uh, so Digital Turbine used to just have a really niche product, which was pre-installs on Android in basically the developing world, right? So, um, you know, you go to a kiosk in, you know, wherever, Malaysia, and, and you buy a, an Android phone. And, you know, you, you, know, you unbox it, you know, and, and you spin it up, and there's an ad for whatever. There's an ad for some game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they sold that was their product and uh there was just such uh you know an updraft i think around advertising and ad tech stocks with covid um that they you know they just benefited from that just kind of by association and then they had this stock that was worth a lot of money um and they went out and they bought companies and they just rolled up and and then and also you had the sort of confluence of that plus idfa which made a lot of these companies uh much cheaper and they just they just they just took that strategy and they went all in, they were like, we're going to roll up all of ad tech and, uh, build this, you know, really sort of like horizontally integrated, um, company, uh, across all these different sort of like, you know, ad tech, uh, functions. And, and, uh, we're going to use our really, you know, I guess, I don't know, uh, much more valuable stock than it was a year ago to do it. And I don't know. I think it's, I think it's genius. Um, I mean, I think first of all, the companies it, like fiber fibers is, is on fire. Yeah. Uh, what I didn't understand about fiber was like they have a really complex uh, ownership structure like they did like a reverse merger at one point with like a Korean company and then, um, you know, so the leadership team didn't really have massive stakes, uh, is what I've heard in the company at the time that they sold it. Um, and they had a lot of debt, too. Um, so that's why this was probably attractive. Uh, they were just the, the sort of funny, the position they were in was probably not, um, you know, you wouldn't have expected that given the given the, the revenue they reported because they reported revenue. 2020 given the revenue they reported uh you know uh i i feel like that 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 price was maybe it 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 felt lower than what i would have expected but but a lot of that was because the debt that they had to get uh paid off but i mean fiber is a great company they've been on on a fire they've been really executing well um you know ad colony i think at one point was like one of the you know top tier ad networks and you know kind of had, had they had done a pivot and um which i don't think was successful a couple of years ago towards like brand, but they were sort of, they were coming back and they were, they were making a lot of progress. So I just, the companies they've been able to acquire are, are really impressive. I think they're really well positioned digital turbine to, to, um, to be a, a big player in this new ecosystem.
0: And then and they're and digital turbine yeah, think- is kind of going towards different directions. So as you said, it's horizontal because everybody else has gone more vertical. Like if you consider the Apple events or the iron sources, they're kind of looking at a more vertical integration, but it seems like, um, yeah, yeah. And, and they also bought an attribution platform, Jill Turbine, some time ago, right?
2: I'm blanking on their acquisitions. Let me look it up. I yeah, think there were so. so many. And wasn't Ad Colony acquired by Opera? Like at some point? Yeah. And then they like divested it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it was just but, a uh, it was just a crazy month. I mean, you had Apple have acquire just Iron Source, I think bought companies luna labs and boom digital digital turbine came out of nowhere and got you know high colony and fiber it was just like it's been a
2: spree i was uh yeah i was i was listening to a clubhouse two nights ago there's like an ad tech clubhouse that happens every wednesday and the uh the owner of um the luna uh luna advisors they do like uh, the lunascapes it's an investment bank i mean the he was just rattling off all the major like above a hundred million dollar uh you know deals that have happened um in the last like six months and it was like incredible it's a massive list and he, and he compared that to like the the year before and it was just like double or triple or something like that it's there's there's a frenzy and you know what att hasn't even been rolled out yet i feel like it's only going to accelerate
0: yeah what is um what's your guys view then on bungle because they they acquired game refiner recently are they are also looking into that horizontal integration or what's 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 their position in this, in this crazy game of acquisitions? I mean, they're backed by Blackstone, so they should have all the money.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it it looks like, and this is just my take, but it looks like from, you know, Apple Evan has kind of been a first mover in terms of, you know, their acquisition strategy. And from my perspective, it looks like you see Iron Source, uh Bungle, and something, and, you know, kind of following in Apple Evan's, Apple Evan's footsteps. Um, in, in their strategy of trying to, you know, create an ecosystem, um, but with Digital Turbine, you know, maybe we'll see that in the future. But currently, uh, it just looks like they're they're buying a bunch of ad tech.
0: Yeah, and it's the integration must be quite difficult with all the different ad tech companies, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. These are big I don't know how. Well, they're also just very different, right? Like the the
2: products that like the, the pre install product, how do you integrate that with something? It's really tough. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe they just don't care. Maybe they're just like an aggregator. Uh, I mean, I don't know fiber. I I would guess, you know, if you buy fiber, like just the way that they've been executing, you just say, Hey guys, keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. We just wiped out your debt right now. We can resource you fully.
0: Um, go, go, go execute. Yeah. Uh, and it and then the uh, the acquisition of Adjust by by AppLovin, like there was, um, I know JK that these these conspiracy theory uh, talks. I think Kristen, you were on one of them. I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing you on one of those panels. But if you look at the financial, isn't it more like isn't one of the reasons at least, and perhaps a pretty big reason, the fact that ad tech makes less than than, I think less than 25% of all app loving revenue and most of it is coming out of games. So within an acquisition of adjust, like at least it's just revenue. So they increase the revenue coming in from ad tech and they're valued at more as an ad tech company. So that's like 20 to 30 times your EBITDA or your revenues rather than a game company, which is 10 to 15 times your revenue. Like, can that play a role?
1: Well, I mean, I, from a, from an M and A from multiples valuation perspective, uh, sure. I guess it, it could depending on how you, you value the company. I don't know this the specific split, but it definitely looks like a majority of Apple's growth is coming from uh, the gaming gaming yeah. side of the business.
0: And, um, and in in their S one, they they only talked about apps. Like they don't even talk about games. They're like yeah, apps this and this is our flywheel everything is great and when you look deeper it's just like you guys are making money out of games so you're you're kind of a gaming company
2: yeah i don't i don't think the multiple really i don't think that like multiple math played a a role i mean Mm -hmm. first of all you know adjust revenues are just going to decrease over time right so a lot of times when you do this kind of modeling it's you know you've got a a discounted cash flow where you've got uh like a growth rate baked in well in adjust case you'd have to bake in you know like uh uh, degradation rate just because you know what's going to happen um it's like a distressed verdict it's a distressed category it's just it, it hasn't happened yet right like we've got this uh you know you've you've got this just this 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 sort of moment coming wh- which you know we have no exact timeline for but we know it's like kind of near term um i think yeah you could maybe that was it i, I just don't think that that was the calculus because yeah. that would have been um I don't know, like, because first of all, I mean, you've got, you know, just, just, just sort of uh, unpredictable events like what happened yesterday with Adjust, um, and, and at the same time, you know, these, com- these companies are locked in with contracts, so you've got like, okay, well, we've got a, you know, l- let's call it on average, there's seven months left on everyone's contract, right? So you've got that locked in, but after that. I mean, you're just going to have a massive step change down in terms of revenue. So, like, it doesn't feel very dependable. Mm. Um, my sense was it was more for the tech. It was, it was, you know, that's why you'd buy, I think, a company like that in this environment. Um, and I'm hearing rumors about more acquisitions in that space for that reason, Yeah. right? So, I, I feel like it was just the tech. It was, not, and not to be conspiratorial. I don't think it's conspiracy theory to say, hey, just, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Just yeah. wants to build a content fortress, right? And this supports that. This is an identity system. Um, and this helps them stitch together basically an app ecosystem uh, that looks like an app store without an app store or storefront. Um, and I feel like that's a totally valid uh, explanation and it makes a lot of sense, you know, in this environment. Um, so I feel like that was probably more, more relevant to the acquisition than the, the revenue.
0: Mm. Let's talk about more about, nice. it. So you mentioned adjust. So let's talk about the, uh, the ATT drama. Let's talk about like, but Eric, like, can you update and then Christian? You're in the trenches with the ATT drama, so I want to hear your opinion after <laughs> Harry kind of wails in. So, like, what what has been happening? At least in Finland, we're already getting the ATT prompts on all the on yeah. everything that I install. So here, it's it's in full force, and um, and with the adjust, it was basically uh, there was um, so the way I understood is the the uh, the the adjust and other attribution platforms were pushing this fingerprinting. Um, as, as, part of the, um, as part of the SDK, and they're being banned, as Apple would say they would be banned, but Adjust was seeing it more as a probabilistic attribution. So am I getting this correct? Yeah, they all, they, I mean,
2: so to, to be fair, I mean, fingerprinting was not um, problematic, right? Up until, you know, ATT basically said, okay, you can't do fingerprinting. And so they all did that because you had to do that for LAT traffic. Um, now the degree to which they did fingerprinting is different and, you know, the, the sort of methods and the device identifiers that, that were accessed, um, you know, in a just case and I don't know about the other, I don't, I don't mean to single adjust out. It's just that this happened to adjust right yesterday, but, um, you know, in a just case, I mean, it was, it was just kind of extreme, the, the amount of data that they were trying to access. Right. And you could see that because their SDK is open source. I, I looked into the code and I tweeted it out. Right. I mean, they have they, had, they did a, uh, a, a push to their Git repo when they had to fix this and they had to up, you know, issue a new SDK and they, the, the Git message, you know, when you, when you commit a, a Git update, you just put a message in there. And usually it's pretty descriptive, like did this, 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 and their Git message was just like uh, replaced. Uh, no, what was it? It was, uh, I've got it. I think I've got it pulled up, but it was just very cryptic. It was like uh, uh, replaced legacy code. <laughs> and, and then you look in and, and all they did was rip out, rip out like full, um full headers that were just accessing all these different methods that apple has has basically identified as being um contravening att but but also contravening their existing fingerprinting policy i mean they had existing fingerprinting policy they just didn't really enforce it right um and so what i had heard is i got kind of a heads up on this on the 30th and you know i posted this in our in the slack that we're all a a member of right and i said hey has anybody else seen this because i just heard that you know (laughs) adjust is being adjust is being looked into and everyone's like, no, I haven't heard this. And then the next morning, it was like, you know, uh, Armageddon for anybody that had an adjust SDK and was doing an app update, they all were getting rejected. Now, it turns out that Apple wasn't in some of the in some of the rejections Apple was saying, we're rejecting you because you have the adjust SDK integrated in some they were they were uh, rejecting uh, the, the sort of ex- explanation was that while well, you're accessing these methods, um, and you need to do a code review. Um, and so that may not have been related to adjusting every single case. They may have just said, "Look, we're 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 actually going to enforce these standards that we've had that we just have looked the other way on because they were used for doing LAT uh, LAT sort of identification. Because going into ATT, we're not going to allow that at all. And so we might as well, you know, start enforcing the standard now. Um, but it, it's that's I mean that's a pretty I think it was the the big the what what made that um, a really like sort of important moment was that it shut down this argument that there's really any sort of sidestepping ATT through fingerprinting. There's just not going to happen. I mean, if, 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 if Apple like has said, Hey, look, you know, we're enforcing the existing standards, you know, to this extent, then like, what are they going to do when they actually roll ATT out? Like there is no workaround that involves fingerprinting. And that's to be, to be honest, like a lot of the, a lot of the um, you know, a lot of the attribution companies have been selling that look, we can get around this. Don't worry about it. Like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, there's going to be some loss of efficiency because fingerprinting is not as as, uh, as precise. But we our fingerprinting solution uh, is 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 better than most. And also, we we call it uh, you know probabilistic attribution. And we've 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 sort of uh, made sure that Apple is is okay with it. And like that just has never been true. Like none of that has ever been true. It was just a sales technique. And we're seeing that. Like, and if your your app update gets rejected, that's a big problem. And if you have to do an SDK update, that's a big that's annoying that's like a full day of work. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're just seeing now that like, okay, Apple really means what it says, right on its on its ATT website, where we will not allow fingerprinting, you cannot fingerprint, you cannot access these device identifiers for the purposes of uh, of of doing identity. And I mean, that to me, just just well, okay, then that's that settles it, that should be settled science. Now, fingerprinting will not work for attribution post ATT.
0: Mm. Christian, I mean, you're you're in the uh, you're in the trenches here, you're you're what second fastest growing hyper casual publisher in, in 2020. So this is big for you. Like, what's happening
1: on on the uh, on the front? Yeah, I mean, so luckily for us, uh, we're we've been using Tengen, and from the very beginning, they've been upfront, like with their strategy of not going uh, the finger finger approach. Um, so you know, luckily we've had hadn't had any rejections or had to deal with this. But um, I mean, our approach—you know—following advice that w- we've been uh, getting from from Tengen and just going, uh, you know, the through the incremental attribution method that you know that they've been suggesting, and you know, we're going to see as, as as we test it out, we're going to see what's going to be the most accurate method, um, whether it, we're using some kind of incremental approach based off of uh, some kind of user behavior or some kind of revenue behavior. Um, and you know, seeing if we can, you know, if we can continue to attribute correctly and uh, forecast lifetime value correctly, so it doesn't inhibit any of the, the current systems that we have in place. But but luckily, we've we we didn't you know buy into the pipe dreams of yeah, well let's continue to use fingerprinting and and see if we can how long we can get away with it for. Um, from you know we, we've we've been already building our models based off of the incremental attribution model that Apple's been uh, suggesting from the very beginning. And I think it's the best way to go. You know, really no, no way around, around doing that. Mm. My opinion. All right.
0: So, um, all right, let's, let's jump in for two talks about something else than the, uh, than the latest in the ATT drama. So I wanted to, to call out. So Eric in the last episode, we talked about CAAD. So, the Chinese version of how to circumvent the IDFA. And um, and you were right. You're 100% right. So Apple basically banned the CAAD and didn't approve the apps with it. Now, the question is like, what does that mean for Apple and its market share in China? And on the on the one hand, like, you know, <laughs> pretty brutal, because there's such a big, big set of Chinese devices and Chinese manufacturers that could take the market space because they don't have to, um, limit themselves with this IDFA. But on the other hand, like the, the, the communist party hasn't been, you know, forthcoming towards all the app developers. Like it's been really difficult to launch games. There has been, uh, I was reading about all this stuff where they limit your play time and, and they weren't, you know, they weren't the biggest fans of game companies as it, as it were before. So is this yeah. a handicap for Apple or, or what do you think?
2: No, I think, well, what, what happened, what we learned about, and a lot of this stuff is hard to, it's hard to parse out outside of China. Like, I think, you know, honestly, like whenever I read reporting on this, I'm just kind of like very circumspect unless the reporter is based in China and like, I have some sort of credible belief that they speak, you know, Mandarin, right? Because if you don't, I just don't know how you actually can be, you know, can be confident that you're getting like good Intel, right? Like from my position, I have no idea. It's, it's impossible, but, but I think what we know, what's been reported, um, is that, uh, apparently like, you know, this, this Chinese advertising agency was just sort of like, it was state aligned or state, it was state backed, but it wasn't, it's not important. Right. I mean, they, they, they built this CID infrastructure and they had buy-in from these companies, but it's not, um, it's not like an influential, uh, sort of like government agency. And then what happened was that you had this other government agency called the Chinese, uh, Cyberspace Administration of China, which is much more influential, they basically set internet policy in at, for the country, um, and they they said, okay, you're not allowed to do CAID. Like we don't, that's that's a privacy violation. China china's government has actually been on somewhat of like a consumer privacy, uh, you know, uh, crusade for the last few years, and that's why they've been at odds with a lot of the big uh, tech companies in China. Uh, um, you know, not, not just around like playtime, but just around how much data is gathered and like profiling people and tracking them and, and, and violating, you know, what, how the government thinks, you know, their privacy is being violated. And so they've taken this sort of top-down approach to limiting Mm -hmm. that. And they just said, no CAID, And that, you know, I don't know if that was as a result of some, you know, uh, some pressure from Apple, probably not. They probably, Apple probably, you know, advocated for that and made the case. But I think that is just aligned with the sort of general momentum, um, you know, of their policy in the last few years. And so they just put, they just clamped it down. And now I think, you know, my sense is like when that kind of top-down directive happens in China, that just kills anything. Like that just killed it. So my sense is that's that's dead. Um, now, whether something kind of black market, you know, sort of evolves out of the ashes or, or you know, some other, you know, because now, now other people got the idea, right? Um, now, maybe it'll happen, you know, in the private sector that they, organized in this way. Now, I think I made the point in the last podcast, like that's, that's what's beautiful about, you know, the, the Chinese system is that, you know, they can will something into existence, right? Whether it be like hospitals to treat COVID patients or like a giant identity system um, very quickly, because they can just mobilize people and, and you know, force companies to do things. But and, and which, which wouldn't happen sort of organically from like private cooperation. So I'm, I'm skeptical that, that, and that's why I was always skeptical of a system like this because it would just require too much cooperation. Now, whether something else kind of takes its place, who knows, we'll see. Um, but I, I think it would take that kind of, you know, command driven, you know, sort of uh, uh, pressure or, or impetus to, to, to build something like this. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, my sense is that it's probably dead and Apple sort of won that you know, or they, they made it through that challenge.
0: Yeah. And it was important that they, that they, you know, banned it because if they wouldn't, it would have, it would have just destroyed the whole privacy, um, the, 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 the privacy part of ATT and yep. then basically their whole position on that. I was looking through the Twitter and I was actually looking for your tweet. I wanted to ask you something about it. You had a tweet about um, something about privacy is the biggest threat to a CMO or something in those lines can you elaborate
2: that yeah i am and this actually i would love to get uh christian's take on this so so my sense if the last couple years and one of the reasons i kind of avoided taking like a cmo role um was that i felt like the interesting stuff happening in this space was not really related to like you know content right like the interesting stuff happening in the space was all of the infrastructure that's being built and all the sort of methods for doing kind of digital advertising at scale that yeah game developers used but anybody else used too and they were aspect of it was becoming the important piece and the the sort of like branding aspect of it um, and the kind of audience development aspect of it was becoming less important and a lot of that you know gets disrupted with att because well this this whole thing is going to make measurement more difficult it's going to make it less direct um and so maybe you know someone's first thought might be that like well we go back to the madman style like we're just going to build a brand we're gonna we're gonna know our audience and we're gonna reach them with like you know brilliant creative um, and, but my sense is actually it doesn't because like what well, we've seen the performance you can't put the genie back in the bottle you've seen the performance of being um you know very tactical and very sort of technology driven and very sort of targeted um, and understanding, you know, not from like a just high level demographic, uh, you know, uh, uh, standpoint, who your audience is, but from like a behavioral standpoint. And so well, what ATT does, it just makes, it makes achieving that kind of targeting and that kind of measurement um, much harder. And so it's like, to the extent that, you know, a really performant, um, you know, sort of marketer now is like pretty technically savvy but not really i think a highly performant marketer in like three years is basically just a data scientist and so that so my sense is like it it, the, the sort of it's a little bit counterintuitive but like just we know how 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 much performance this approach can bring so why would we go back to the old way we're just gonna have to figure out ways of retaining this kind of performance which just requires way more sort of uh statistically robust methods And so that's, that's why I feel like, well, that's just going to kill the idea of like a sort of brand driven CMO Mm -hmm. um, or someone who's, who's, who's very much sort of like thinking about an audience in like a very broad way. But what do you think about that, Christian? I I feel like, I feel like a lot of people would disagree with me on this.
1: I I actually agree with you. Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent. But I mean, even early on, uh, you know, even before this, you know, when I would hire um, you know, UA analysts on our team, like data science, understanding, Python, uh, SQL, like fundamental to, to how, you know, how, how my teams operate. Um, and it's always kind of been like that. But I, I, I think it's, uh, it's absolutely true. And, but the, the interesting about it is even though it's harder to um, attribute what's happening, I think it just creates an even larger value uh, opportunity for those that can, Mm um, and I don't know, maybe I'm in, in, in kind of an interesting, uh, position here, but we, I I think it it can present different problems, but at the same time, it presents new opportunities for those that can, uh, succeed in this kind of environment, whether or not, uh, you know, it's technology driven now at the end of the day, right? Like whether or not you're, you're marketing a brand, like, we know as marketers that like half of what we do is powered by the product that we're pushing, no matter what mm-hmm. it is. And so I think that's just, that, that's just an, a, another thing is like if we're marketing good games, uh, not necessarily marketing good brands, but good products, uh, games that people love to play that are fun, um, that helps once we you know, get, get those products or games into people's hands and they stay there um that's going to be really really important still right or increasingly more important um but i agree with you 100 i don't think i don't think that is it, that the, the technical side of marketing is is going to go away and it's increasingly even more important now that it's a more difficult problem to solve in the future
0: hmm. that's a fascinating point because there has been a counter argument to that because of this the these old limitations because facebook and google have been so powerful and it's just so easy that uh, the focus is shifting more and more towards creative. And, um, and especially with, you know, with the Playrix and the Apple lovens and the Tactiles, uh, the, uh, the power of creative has been so powerful that it has kind of shifted. Like it has, I think, opened up the door to uh, more creative marketers and they have been able to, uh, to kind of, you know, get some clout. But, but
1: let's be real here. Like, is it really creative or is it CTR? Right, like, is it, is it really the creative or is it like, okay, like when you click something twice, I'm gonna send you directly to the app store or I'm gonna time this. And yeah. so at the end of the day, that's, that's not really the creative because you could have almost any kind of creative. And yeah. if, as long as you click it twice and you go to the app store, that's more of a technical implementation of how you use your creative. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I don't know, maybe this is a good segue into the, uh, the next uh, point of the conversation. Yeah. I recently saw an I recently saw an ad on my on, on my phone and I thought I was watching a movie. Oh I thought I was watching a movie. And, and you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. And dude, I, I was like, what is this? And and I don't know if you guys know, was it filmed from an actual movie, or did they actually film this as an ad? Do you guys know about this or how much it cost or anything like that? It looked, this was the most Yeah,
2: it
0: looks well, like a couple of mils at least. Well, we should, we should say what we're talking about. Yeah. So it's Warpath. Yeah. It's a game, it's a 4X game from Lilith. So, 4X, just like, you know, the Game of Wars of before and the Mobile Strikes, which has Schwarzenegger. So, it's not like these companies haven't been spending egregious money on, on ads. And this is their launch trailer. So, they came out global. They globally launched, um, I think, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago. And the launch trailer is five minutes. Of course, no gameplay, because come on, guys, like it's a 4X game. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. And it's a masterpiece. It's um, it, it shows, oh, my God. Like, people need to just go to YouTube, type Warpath trailer or launch trailer, and you will see this amazing storyline put in, in a five-minute ad with real actors, with fucking Russian, like, um, modern, like, a Russian version of Rammstein playing on the background. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just it shows like the game is based on second world war and it's a it's basically a battle between a, a russian general like a communist general and uh, and um it looks very nazi but they just changed the nazi signal to to you know whatever <laughs> some kind of a skull and bone type of thing and it's fucking amazing it's the point of view of the two generals and the point of view of two like uh normal young soldier guys and i just like i get goosebumps even thinking about it there's death there's explosions there's air battle there's trenches there is that the transitions are off the hook like somebody gets killed and the camera goes into the bullet wound to show the parents of the person that is being killed kind of crying and holding the picture of their son i'm like oh my like this is not true (laughs) it's insane
2: the the comments are pretty funny. Well yeah, yeah the, there's like the comments. Are, so the 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 title of the video on, on YouTube is Warpath Official Live Action Cinematic Trailer, and uh, you know the, the comments are, are 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 pretty amusing. So one is when the marketing department accidentally wrote an extra zero on the budget.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Two
2: zeros. And uh, <laughs> there was another one. Hold on, and then another one. Uh, quote. So how much of the budget are we going to use for the trailer? End quote. Developer yes
0: <laughs> and think about Literally. it they, they did this during covid they had to do this filming during covid yeah so there's a lot of actors there's like these scenes i mean naturally they did it in russia everybody just got a hit of sputnik and they they rolled yeah. with it the tanks are being destroyed but it's a, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on this in in from the business sense like yes it's super expensive it actually got me to download this game, but of course I, I really appreciate Lilith as well. So it's not, you know, not, not a knock on them, but, um, but like, how do you justify something like this? How do you justify spending a couple of million on a five minute long trailer that will be very difficult to break into pieces too? Yeah. Like, you know, like.
1: It's an interesting, it's an interesting investment, but at the, at the same time, like, We've seen this before, right? With like early um, Machine Zone games, right? When they would they would bring in celebrities and same similar type of game, yeah. right? It's the 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 commercial is nothing like the actual gameplay. Um, but I think it, where where it made sense with Machine Zone is because they were just spending so much money, yeah. and they were just these ads were everywhere. You saw it everywhere. Um, Now with Lilith, I don't know if their marketing budget is the same, but I think for me, at the end of the day, if you're going to spend, you know, some X amount on creative, you know, how much are you going to spend actually marketing that creative? And what kind of, you know, incremental ROI will that bring you for for, for using this creative? Um, And so I, I do think, though, that these types of investments are highly, highly risky, but for these types of games, I mean, we've seen this playbook before, right? Like uh, Pixie has done it, um, Machine Zone has done it. Uh, so I think uh, it's, it's been done it in the past. So we, I guess we have to see if it's effective and how they do it. I mean, to me, the video is awesome.
0: Uh, yeah. So
1: just props, props <laughs> on that. And, and hey, Eric, I mean, what do you think?
0: Even before that point, just calling out some numbers, they had 6 million installs. So I think they launched on. On Google Google Play, so probably, you know due to obvious reasons, and they already have like 14 million in net revenue. And, and if we think about like, does, can can Lilith afford this? For sure, they can. I think AFK did you know it has crossed already billion in revenue. They have um, um, Rise of Kingdoms, which is not a 4x game. Uh, it was the biggest 4x game of last year. It it was making something over like a 300 million a year. So they they definitely. Know what they're doing, and they're they can definitely afford this. I have, they have to be making several millions a day with their games, but um, but yeah, Eric, w- what do you think about this? Well,
2: I think you know the, the MZ approach to this was really smart, and you know the CEO laid it out. He did a an interview, which is like I think worth worth watching for anybody that's in games marketing or marketing in general. And which I I can't remember what conference it was at. I think it was at like the Recode conference or something. But he said, look, we do, we do this, this big-budget cinematic stuff to improve the performance of our direct response. That's how we value it. That's how we model it, right? So, like, you know, when they um, – who was the woman that they had? Uh, um, as the, the blonde lady. Yeah. Anyway, they had some famous – they had some, you know, a- A-list or celebrity. She was a model. Was she was a model. Yes. Like, yes, like she a lingerie model. It, which they integrated her in the game and they built a bunch of, you know, TV ads on top of that and they ran TV ads, but the idea of the TV ads and having this, these celeb integrations was just to drive like recognizability and earned media so that their direct response ads improved. Right. Cause they were, they were spending so, I mean, like Christian said, they were spending so much money and they basically saturated every channel. And, and, and the CEO talked about this in this, in this, um, uh, you know, in this, in this interview, he's like, look, TV ads are not important for us. TV ads on their own are not important to us. You, 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 your industry cannot provide any meaningful data. We would never scale that like on its own. The only, you know, we, TV ads to us was like that, that last layer that we added on top that the only, the only reason we would spend money there is that it sort of like percolated down and made every other layer beneath that um, more valuable, but you never start with TV ads. Cause it's not, it's just not measurable. There's no, there's no transparency there. And he, and he just like ripped into the, the TV advertising industry. Like you're, you're, you know, you know, your industry is like, you know, in the stone age and, and, and you don't provide any support for advertisers and like, how dare you? And he just got like really aggressive, um, as, yeah. as, as that, as that person, you know, had, had the sort of uh, tendency to do, but you know, he, he was right. He was totally right. Like that's, that should be the point. Of doing that like when you've saturated all these other channels and you're not really driving any incremental performance there well then layer tv on top increase the recognizability um which increases the receptiveness to, to an ad on your phone and then increases click-through rates and increases the performance there this is kind of taking the other route because like this is the first time i've heard of this game yeah. right and and of course just but you know by definition because it, this is the launch trailer right uh it's the first time a lot of people are gonna have heard about this game I, but at the same time, you know, if you've got more money than you know what to do with, why not? If your marketing budget for the game is $300 million for the year, why not carve out five for a launch trailer? Like, I don't think they're running any TV ads with this. It's, it's too long. It's too graphic. So it's just for fun. Uh, and I feel like that's – why not? If you're that rich and you know $5 million to you is like a day's worth of revenues or maybe less for this game at scale, who cares? I think that was the Supercell approach too when they did the Clash of Clans ad with Liam Neeson for the Super Bowl. It's like, okay, this is gonna cost us probably 10 million in, you know, inclusive of the cost
0: of producing the media. Let's just do it, who cares? Like, yeah. so what's
2: 10 million to us? Let's do it so we could say we did it. Maybe we could recruit better people as a result.
0: Yeah, the, the last point that you made, recruit better people. I think that, that's the one that I would kind of see it justifying with Lilith, because with all the previous examples, like there's two type of examples that you, that you talked about. There's the one where the game has already scaled and then you do the TV ad. That's the Clash yeah. example. That's the machine's own example. And and the second part is like you always bring a celebrity. Again, the Clash example, the machine's own example. These guys have no celebrities on it. Yeah. It's it's also five minutes and it's going to be really difficult to cut into different people. Maybe you could do the aviation battle, but even if I would download the game based on that aviation battle sequence, (laughs) it would be nothing like it. So it would be kind of problematic. But the last one that you made is is recruitment like not a lot of, like not a lot of people kind of still know lilith despite they have them having two gigantic games and and two big ones i mean this plus the uh, the shooter coming out soon not a lot of people know them so i think this is a nice way to kind of introduce yourself like hey guys like <laughs> we're for real like we can drop yeah. five million on a, on a video on a youtube right. video just like that
2: yeah i you know who else did this really well was peak with uh, the ryan reynolds stuff yeah um oh, yeah, a lot of true. those ads went pretty viral, and Ryan Reynolds is just such a like beloved guy and he yeah. does a good job of promoting that stuff I mean that guy, how much more money has he made <laughs> from promoting like real world businesses like his gin yeah uh, and the aviation and it, vodka and the, he runs a uh a, like a, he he's partnered up with like a mobile phone like a the burner phone. like I don't know what's it called they it's like a mobile phone company that, like cricket or something like it's like, they make burner phones basically or and, or like pre pre uh purchase like mobile uh minutes or in gigabytes and he's he's uh. promoting that like that guy's must he's he's got to have made way more money same with clooney with that yeah. tequila uh, which is good tequila actually but uh uh he made like a billion dollars selling that company like he's never
0: he's never gonna act again he doesn't care
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> just artsy movies afterwards yeah it's uh it's it's crazy but maybe maybe through that you can buy some some of that independency out of from Hollywood, and you can just do whatever you want because you have so much money, so you can make your choices, you know. Just yeah. versus, versus being, you know, forced to do another action movie, <laughs> you know, or or fun. another Disney flick. You're like, fuck, all right, I've just bought a new house in Malibu. Let's let's shoot this. <laughs> yeah, man.
2: Uh, <laughs> I read uh, I read this book called Billion Dollar Whale recently, which I was like late to the party on because it, it's it's a couple years old. But it, they were talking about this this guy. Basically, it's the story of this guy who. Um, I won't dig into the details, but he basically like, uh, like uh, stole billions of dollars from this Malaysian uh uh state fund. It was an investment fund that he mm-hmm. he like convinced the prime minister to set up, and he he like embezzled just like a billion or a couple billion dollars, and he just used it to party. He just he just he just like would trade. He bought a jet Two to billion? party. He, uh, billions he would just travel all right he bought a jet he would just travel all around the world partying he would he would spend like two million dollars a night in the club he would buy like he would buy like a, a two hundred thousand dollar uh champagne procession where he just paid he just bought up all the champagne in the club and then you know, they put the sparklers in and the, and you know like the waitresses would just walk around and then his and he would get in like fights with people who could who could buy up the more champagne to have the bigger procession and they he'd blow a million dollars doing that in a night but anyway this uh he uh, <laughs> he bankrolled he bankrolled the production of the wolf of wall street and uh, what was, so the, the thing was like Martin Scorsese and, and Leonardo DiCaprio had wanted to make this movie that was like way out there, you know what I mean? If you've seen the movie, it's like, it's, it's pretty raw in some cases. And the studios were like, nah, it's too, we had to tone it down, we're not—we don't want to make this movie. Why would we want to make a movie about financial fraud? People don't want to watch that. And this guy came in, and is like, I'll make your movie. What's your budget? And and then they like quote some numbers, like double it. And so and so he just like bankrolled this movie, and you know, then because he wanted a party with Leonardo DiCaprio, that was the whole reason he—they he, so started this, this uh, movie production company, Red Granite, just to make this one movie, and uh, and party with Leonardo DiCaprio. But like, you know, these these people are just desperate to get out of this Hollywood ecosystem which actually is like quite conservative and constraining. Um, yeah. And so, you know, hey, if, if you're Clooney, you made a billion selling tequila, like you, you could just wait forever to do your next movie. You're going to wait until like the perfect opportunity comes yeah. along.
0: You can, you can do whatever movie you want. I mean, uh, it, it was the same thing in, in, a, in Schwarzenegger's book. Like when he was explaining, yeah. kind of like he had all the money before he, he, was, right. he was going into, into the movie. So he didn't have to do those bad guys action roles. Like he would be like, no, I want to be a hero. They're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like look at yeah. you, like you're a villain. Like yeah. no, I'm a hero. And then, and then, he just, <laughs> and then because he had all this money from investments and whatnot, he was able to choose his roles. So uh, yeah. I understand that. Like you can, you have better control of your career when you have financial independency.
1: Right. Schwarzenegger was in Mobile Strike, right? He did some ads for machines. <laughs> yeah, too. I mean,
0: I'm talking about '90s Schwarzenegger, like yeah, the, yeah. The 2020 Schwarzenegger.
1: You know, he has to go for the
0: dime. So. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe he does the uh, maybe he does the mobile strike just to just I don't know. Actually he's, the the movies that he's been lately making, you know, like lately, I mean last 15 years are not yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe the cutting edge.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um but um, how do you guys, do you guys yeah. feel about brands uh jumping into uh into games? I mean, I, I feel for us I, at Game Jam, I don't know if this is I'm not trying to plug our, our company or anything, but you know, go one go of the strategies that we've so had so. go for it, man. <laughs> uh, this is like what second
0: is, biggest growing. You got marshmallow in your games. You got you got uh Tikush six nine six. Is that is he six nine or six or is it just six nine? It's not six nine right? yeah, six, right? Six no,
1: six
2: nine. No, no he's nine. got yeah, six nine. He's got he's got sixty-nine tattooed on his body in
1: sixty-nine places. Yeah. But <laughs> no, no, but one of my questions is is I think you know, for, for me, I feel like it's just surprising that there's it, it doesn't exist more in, inside the games. I mean, we see brands a lot, you know, for example, in some of the, even in, in a lot of the uh, scenarios we just discussed in the advertising, right? To help promote the game. Um, but it's funny that we don't see this so often in the games themselves, like, you know, like Arnold inside of the game or Kate Upton inside of the game, um, like having her own game. I mean, we, we, we've seen a uh, few situations but I'm I'm cur- I'm curious if you guys think we'll see this more often, especially with um, with, with iOS fourteen five and because it, it it feels like you know you guys were discussing brands like right mm-hmm. like how do you what is a brand like how do you create a brand I well, there's brands that already exist so and and they already brands that already exist that already have audiences and so you know you know my thought is why not just tap into those audiences by by making games with those with those brands you guys think this is something you will increasingly see more often in in 2021 you know in the next few years i i'll do my take which is not not as good as eric's but here's
0: like if we're talking about actors then usually we know them from the roles like schwarzenegger is one thing but we usually know him as a terminator or or something else like so I understand with artists, but even like, do the artists own their own, like, like own their, um, what do you call it, the, their their appearance, or does the uh does the um the music publisher or the, the the record company do they own own that, like likeliness? So it's it's always a question mark. Like I've actually talked to some of these uh, actors from from some of these shows and kind of trying to get them into a game. And you want that role into your game, like the role that they were playing in a show. And they're like, well, no, I don't own that. Like I'm actually a totally different person. And I like trees. I'm not some bad guy. I'm actually very artistic and I do I don't look anything like that. that you saw me in a show. I'm an actor. Like this is not none of that. So I think it's it's a little bit of a challenging with the Kate Uptons of the world. Now I don't know, you know, personally what she's like, but but when it comes to actresses i think it's more challenging than when it comes to to the uh, the artist that christian you're working with and i was thinking about like as you go as you work with the marshmallows and the 69s is it because they want to party with you in vietnam or is it because you want to party with them in <laughs> Ibiza <B-fowl> or whatever <laughs> like, i think that's the real question here
2: that could be a, yeah. that could be a good that could be a good way to to build a competitive advantage just yeah. to be known as like the biggest party animal like yeah. oh, if you're in southeast asia you got to go party with christian <laughs> And by the way, if you party with him, you're probably going to end up signing a deal at the end yeah. of the night. You know, you might be in the latest <laughs>
0: game. You, you just party with with Christian like one one weekend, and you know, in Bangkok, never know, never know.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's 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 my strategy. Once COVID uh kind of fades away, i <laughs> will be the setting up uh, Austin as like the the hub. Yeah, yeah, let's Six go party, three, man. Bring a good pen for signing a contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I think it's, it's, I mean, that's an amazing point like about just, well, having this person isn't really that like much of a magnet, you know, they've got to have the role and like the, the, the sort of the gravitas of the role and the, and the the sort of the, the kind of that magnetic pull of the role, which is like the movie that people recognize them from and not just some guy. Um, But also, you know what, just a lot of these actors, they just get bad advice and they're not really savvy business people. Like I've worked with a couple. I mean, I used to do a lot of these. Help do a lot of these licensing deals, and just negotiating with these people is just like a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, we did one with one time with one of the Real Housewives, or was trying to do it, um, of of hall of of Hollywood mm-hmm. of Be- Beverly Hills, and like she's you know on the show, and she, you know it the, the the game overlapped really well with that show audience, and I thought it was a good idea, and she was um, in a side project that the game was related to. And so I just reached out to their people and I was like, hey, um, we'd love to have you in the game. It makes sense because you're in this side project and the game is, is sort of based on that. And her manager was like, yeah, a million up front. And I'm like, no, <laughs> come on. Like you're, 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 your client doesn't make a million in a year period. Like I'm not going to pay her a million dollars to be in, the, have her likeness in the game. And by the way, we didn't need her to really even agree. We could include her likeness in the game because we had the um, the owner of this this other property property uh, they were, uh, um, they were a partner in the project. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, look, we could just include her in the game, but what we wanted to do is promote the game and we'll cut her in on the revenue. Like you could make more than a million dollars after like six months, if this works out, but, but I'm not going to give you an MG of a million dollars, you know, apropos of nothing. Just, just, just her like d- making a couple of videos and, and the, the guy's like, no deal. And it was like, well, so you're going all or nothing on a million dollar MG? Like, what? Your your client doesn't need any extra money. Like, if this was 200k up front mm-hmm. or 100k up front, that would mean nothing to her. I don't think so. I think that would actually be a reasonable amount of money. And this guy was like, nope, no deal, a million or nothing, because he's getting wow. his fee, his 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 cut is is not is trivial, right? Unless it's a million, because he's yeah. getting 15. percent So his cut is trivial unless he gets a million. So he's only looking at deals that make you know an impact on his sort of lifestyle, not his clients. And, and dealing, just dealing with that, it got really frustrating. I mean, just like totally irrational people. And, you know, at some point you're like, you know what? Uh, it's a waste of time.
0: Yeah. I have the, uh, I have a little bit of a different example. We were trying to get a uh, Hodor from, from Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Back yeah. in the day when, when he was yeah. like on the, on the cusp, on the top. And, um, and cause it's almost impossible to get the whole but you can get yeah. the actor. And the actor was nothing like the whole in this movie. Like he's a DJ. He's like a, <laughs> he's like a very gay friendly DJ and there's nothing wrong with that, but it was definitely not what we're looking for that game. Cause we were looking right. for that big guy who's like a yeah. you know, hold the door type of guy. And um, yeah, it's just that, that's how I was thinking, like how different the, the person was from the role, which is of course they are very different, but that's, yeah. that, that's the biggest challenge with the actors. And and of course, I mean, with, uh, with, uh, with, with those, um, what do you call them? Real TV shows. Oh. Yeah, reality stars. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah, reality TV. Yeah, it's
2: different. They're the they're they the are. worst. Because it's just a money grab. I mean, like you can understand too. It's like right? there's no longevity in this career. I've got to just wrap my arms around as much. It's like those games where you know you'd have the, the gloves and you put them in mm-hmm. the box, and you're trying to grab the money. That's <laughs> it. Like they got 30 seconds and they gotta grab as much as they can because then they're going back to the insurance agency
0: or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the and and uh, and, and it's over. Well, the, the longevity in the uh, reality TV is only like how how much more outrageous you can get. Like the yeah. ones who have the most longevity are the ones that are just, I mean, they're always in the tabloids and just getting worse and worse. Like that's the only way to get longevity. So I think that reality star that has less longevity is actually probably more sane person when when it's all sane, you know, said and done.
1: Yeah. For, for us, I mean, we, we, we have, you know, at this point signed over you know, 20 licensed deals for for different entities. And, you know, and most of our games, I would say, have been pretty successful for hyper casual games with celebrities. And I'll tell you, and no MGs, nothing like that. But, you know, the secret, and this is, this can kind of backfire on you. And Eric knows what I'm talking about, because he worked with me on a game once where this backfired on us. But, (laughs) you know, one of the, the secret is, is, is you get the celebrities, I think, to, to help with the game design, right? And to help in and to, to look at the game early on and yeah. to give their feedback <laughs> and to give <laughs> give give ideas on on what they think you know that should be in the game. And you know, as long as you know, as long as the, the celebrity you're working with, you know, is is not little Wayne, then uh, <laughs> Listen, what are you
0: talking about? You're working with Hikashi 69. Did you did he uh facetime you out of jail like how did he give you feedback for the game
1: <laughs> no i mean well you send them builds and you get their feedback on you know on the art style and characters on who they want inside the game and and the game mechanics and um and any any additional features that they would want to put in the game and you know for the most part i i think the it's interesting but they have interesting ideas that you know sometimes they are cool with things like for example like Sakashi like 6 9 was a really, really interesting guy because he was a little bit like Eminem in the sense that he's okay with kind of, you know, making fun of himself a little bit and, and playing up on how people portray him, right? And um, which is not, you know, very common. And so, but he's okay with like playing up on, yeah, like people are calling me a rat and like, we should make, we should make me a rat costume in the game and, you know, things <laughs> that are... <laughs> That are pretty funny, right? Like, and something that That's I personally cool. wouldn't wouldn't have suggested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, can we? You know, given given his you know who he is, but like, um, but having their input on the game and the game design, I think, can be in most in most situations can be really valuable. Uh, and for us, it I feel like it also gives the celebrities more buy-in and it gives gives them more ownership over what the game is. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes this can
2: backfire. Uh, yeah. So it, it, what I would say about that is, you know, sometimes you know, you hear about rappers who like put on this persona, right? Like they they pretend to be a thug and they pretend to be, you know, from the streets and they pretend to be to be they pretend to be gangsters, but in reality they're not. Um, and sometimes that persona is really who they are and how they think and uh, and, 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 <laughs> and and what and. And what the second group of people would want in a game is probably not what, like, a mainstream audience would want to see in a game. That's all I'll yeah. say. Yeah,
1: or, or an Apple reviewer. Yeah, or an Apple reviewer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, hey, we we, uh, we spent an hour uh, of other people's time. This was fun. But <laughs> I don't know how the listeners took it. Uh, a lot of good content. Um. Christian, what do you have going on in your life?
1: So next week, um, I'm going on vacation with my team. We got a nice little uh, island out in Fuquok. We're going to fly out there, get some beach time, relax. It's the first uh, vacation since since COVID. So, you know, kind of hit. So we're really excited to take some time off. Um, And yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, Really, really looking forward to that.
0: And Game Jam, uh, you came out with the uh, the publishing platform.
1: You have now two teams running, correct? Two teams running. This week, we just launched a new game. It's the official Albert Einstein brand game. Uh, so we work with Albert Einstein's uh, trust to, to get the license for this. And we've launched the official brand game with you know Albert Einstein. And the cool thing about this game is it's got UGC. So basically we've created a level editor where people can go and actually make levels, mm-hmm. and this has been awesome because not only does it save us a lot of time, but, you know, from making levels on the game design <laughs> side, but the the levels are great. And so you you know just combine that with a little bit of logic about you know what levels we show, um, but that's been an awesome feature that we built, and really it was really fun working with the uh, Albert Einstein team. And so uh, just launched that this week, and. We have a couple of of other games I can't talk about yet, but hopefully can talk about soon uh, that are really fun. Uh, But yeah, that's what's happening this week and next week.
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, Eric, two shots in the in the right hand, right arm. You didn't have to go to Dubai to get your shots. You didn't have to. No, man. No, you got them in Texas.
2: Two shots, Souf. That's right. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm vaccinated. I'm ready. I'm going out. <laughs> I'm, uh, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm same old, same old, same old stuff going on. You can follow me on Eric underscore Suford or mobile com.
0: All right. Well, that has it. Thank you, folks, for listening to Growth Triggers. Um, that's it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening through the whole episode. For more growth content, please check out previous episodes on Deconstructor of Fun podcast and do visit the Mobile Dev Memo website as well as the Mobile Dev Memo podcast. For more growth topics, please do connect with myself or Eric Sufer directly through LinkedIn or Twitter. And for discussion about what we talked on this podcast, please join the Deconstructor of Fun Slack group. The application can be found on Deconstructor.com website. And last... But definitely not least, huge thanks to our sponsors, Iron Source and Apps Flyer. Catch you guys on the next episode.
2: Bye.